have a seat. If you're like me, uh, you can't help but continue to keep an eye on the news and see what's happening in Ukraine. And as an American who's here today, I don't always know what to do. In fact, we reached out to one of our missionary partners who's in Poland. And Poland is, is neighboring Ukraine. And we said, hey, what's going on there? How, how can we help you? And he said that they've taken in 27 refugees and counting just in his home alone. There are so many, of course, fleeing the country. And us here, there's not much we can do other than pray and give. And so because of your ongoing giving, we were able to give a sizable donation right on the spot to help provide food and shelter and water and all the necessities needed for our missionary partner who is housing all of these refugees. But we also know, and I've gotten the question from many of you, uh, what, what if I want to give? What if we want to give above and beyond? And so today we want to just give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, on the screens here, we'll tell you how to uh, give to those who are struggling. You can go to the chapel.family, go down to the Give tab, and then select Crisis Fund, or you can just take cash checks or whatever and put it in the giving envelope in your welcome program and then put them right in the giving boxes on the way out. 100% of what you give will go directly to uh, the Ukrainian efforts. We don't know exactly where we're going to go with that quite yet. We want to make sure that Craig, who is our missionary down there, is okay. And then we want to look at different opportunities to come alongside of those who are hurting and try to give to that. So if you want to give and be a part of that from afar, uh, we'd love to do that. Not only do we give, we pray. Let's pray together. Lord, I don't know, I don't know what to pray. <laughs> Lord, the word that I continue to think of is justice. You are a God of justice. Sometimes we see that in this life and other times we see it afterwards. But Lord, we just pray for justice. Justice to rain down now. That we can see your hand of justice on what is happening and of course, in addition to that, your hand of protection, your hand of refuge. These refugees not only need other people to take them in, they need to find refuge in your presence. So help them even today, Lord. Feel a peace that goes beyond understanding, a peace that they can have even though everything around them is falling apart. Thank you, Lord, that we can be a small part of what is happening around the world. In your name we pray, amen. Saying goodbye is hard. All of us have probably had to do that sometime in our life, and it's the hardest thing that you and I will ever have to do. Maybe as you were a child, or you remember you were close to your childhood best friend, and then you found out that his dad took a new job, and so they had to move across country, and you had to say goodbye. Or maybe you're working somewhere, and your favorite coworker, she's decided to leave because of all the things that are going on, and you have to say goodbye to someone that you absolutely love. Maybe it's someone that we had to say goodbye to until we say hello to them forever. Someone that's a spouse, a child, a grandchild, a best friend, a brother, sister, someone that we had to say goodbye to, and you wonder, how can you live without that person? See, that's exactly what the disciples faced with Jesus. The disciples, they've been journeying with Jesus for three years now. They left everything behind to follow him. They watched him love the unlovable, 
heal those who are sick, perform miracles, upset the religious system of the day. They saw that he was their loyal friend, their fearless leader. And then all of a sudden, Jesus starts to talk about leaving them, that he would be handed over to others and eventually die. And those disciples, they didn't believe him, or maybe they didn't want to believe him. Just like when we have to say goodbye, we don't want to believe that's true either. And as Jesus and the disciples are processing Jesus leaving, Jesus reassures them that he's not leaving them high and dry. That there is someone coming to be his representative here on earth. And to discover who that is, I want to ask you to open your Bibles, whether it's on your phone, in person. I want you to turn to John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, we're going to be there most of our time today. And turn with me to John 14, and we'll put that on the screen for you here. I don't know if my worship or my clicker is working here. It's not, so you'll have to click it for me here. John 14, 16 through 18. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it is not looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. I am telling you these things in verse 25 through 27. Now, while I am still with you, But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, the gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a peace, is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. We're in this message series right now called Gentle and Lowly, looking at this incredible book by Dane Ortland. In this book, not only do we discover the love that Jesus has for us, but that he actually likes us, that he accepts us, that he wants us just as we are. But as we just read in John 14, Jesus can't be here forever. He's going to leave. And so Jesus is not going to leave us alone. No, he's going to send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be his presence, to guide us into all truth. And so what we're going to read today is about the Holy Spirit. And Dane Orland says this in the book, the Holy Spirit causes us to actually feel Christ's heart for us. We're going to discover today, not only does Christ love us, but we can experience that love tangibly, in a real way, every single moment of every single day through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So what does that look like? Well, in the passage, we see that the Holy Spirit was referred to twice as advocate. Verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Uh, Verse 26, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. This word advocate in the Greek is the word parakalete. That word parakalete simply means one who comes alongside of you. That when Jesus left the disciples, he wasn't going to leave them. He was going to send the Spirit to advocate for them, to come alongside of them. And so too does he do that with us. 
And what I want to show you in John 14 are specific ways that you and I can tangibly experience the love of Christ through the Spirit working in us as he, as he advocates for us. One of the ways we read that in, verse four, or in chapter 14 is that the Holy Spirit guides us to experience truth. Verse 17 says, he is the Holy Spirit. What does he do? He leads us into all truth. I remember when I started to read the Bible, I was about 17 years old. I didn't know where to start. I had a youth leader who told me to start in the book of James. And so I started to read James, and then we went into Ephesians, and I understood none of it. I was like, this might as well be written in Chinese, because I don't get any of this. And I almost put it down. It was too much. It was confusing. I didn't understand it. But something compelled me to continue to read it. And I started to continue to read it in my own chair time. And then I would go to Bible studies with someone that knew more than me and helped me. I would come to church and be in the row and understand more of what was, what was uh, the truth of it. And then all of a sudden, it was as if I cracked the code. Answers, that the questions I've been wanting answers to started to come in. Questions like, who am I? And why am I here? And why is the world so messed up? Who's going to fix it? Why am I so messed up? Who's going to fix me? How can I make sure that what happens on this world, it won't be wasted? That even in my relationships, I can have a relationship with them after this life. The Bible answered those questions for me. It provided me a framework to see clearly for the first time. Because it felt like I was stumbling in the darkness for 17 years, and then bam, it opened my eyes. And that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit illuminates the truth of God's Word so that when we read it, we start to discover who God is and who we are in light of who God is. And so we have to open the Scriptures and trust that the Spirit will come along and show us the truth of His Word. Not only that, the Spirit, He leads us to discover true peace John 14, 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, a gift of peace of mind and heart. That sounds really good right about now, doesn't it? And this peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so do not be troubled or afraid. One of my most peaceful experiences is going down to Jackson Street Pier on a summer evening. Kind of feels like that today. And when the water's calm, just watching the waves, seeing the sunset over here, Cedar Point over here, just, it's so peaceful. But that's not the peace that Jesus is talking about here. You see, that's serene. That's when things are good. But what happens when things aren't good? Can you still have peace? Well, Jesus says through the Spirit, you can. It's a kind of peace that you and I have when everything is falling apart around us. You know this, and I know this to be true. When it comes to pain and hardship, there's three ways of approaching it. Either we are in a situation right now, either we've just come out of a situation right now, or we're about to head into a situation. How can we make sure that Jesus is our source of peace? Well, through the Spirit, he promises to give us a settled confidence that everything is going to be okay, even when it's not okay. I love how Sheila Walsh puts it. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. Peace isn't all circumstances are good. 
Peace isn't when the waters are calm. We can have peace when the waters are rocky in our lives, when things are falling apart. You can't change your circumstances in order to manufacture peace. You can't buy peace. It's a gift given to us through the Spirit that no matter what happens, we're going to be okay. I have a good friend right now who's going through the worst experience of his life. And I keep telling him, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I just want to take it away. But I sent him this quote and I sent him this verse. I'm like, look, I know that you're going to go through a lot of hardship and you're going through it and you're going to go through it for a long time. But I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit is with you. He has a gift for you that you can discover that it's going to be okay even right now when it's not. The Holy Spirit gives us that gift of peace of mind and peace of heart. There is no better gift that we can receive. And we can receive that gift because the Holy Spirit, he promises to always be there for us. Again, verse 16, but look at the end of this with me. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Now, the disciples, they were grateful for this because Jesus is saying, I'm going to leave you. And then he says, but I'm not going to leave you. And what he's saying is this. You see, Jesus was God, but he was God in the flesh. He took on the limitation of being a human. And everybody wanted Jesus to be in their presence, but he could only be in one place at one time. But Jesus says, look, I'm going to send the Spirit who will be with you at all times. It's as if my presence is there, but through my Spirit. For you and for you and for me, he can be with us 100% of the time which is so good to know. Even two verses later, I love how Jesus says, he goes, I'm not gonna abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. We are labeled as the most connected generation in history. You and I have relationships with people on our phones an instant. I know you're not on your phone now because you're at church, but let's say that you were. You could text somebody and email somebody and get on social media in seconds and you can be in the presence of so many. We are the most connected generation in the world, but also we are the most loneliest. It is documented that we are the most connected but the most loneliest ever in history. You can go to an Ohio State stadium, surround yourself with 110,000 people, watch them beat Michigan, which is going to happen the next nine years. I'm just telling you, we just had one mess up. But you can be in the midst of all of these fans, and you can just sit there, and you can be cheering, and you can look around, and there's 100,000 people around you, but you feel so alone. How is that possible? Jesus says you can feel alone and like an orphan in this world. But my spirit's job is to remind you not only are you never alone, that you are, because of what Jesus has done, the Father's son and daughter. You are not an orphan. You have a home. I love how Dane Ortland puts it in the book. He puts it this way. It is one thing as a child to be told your father loves you. You believe him. You take him at his word. But it is another thing to be swept up in his embrace to hear his beating heart within his chest, to instantly know the protective grip of his arms. This is the glorious work of the Spirit. The Spirit makes clear 
the Father's beating heart for you. He will embrace you with his presence. Not only are you not alone, you have an identity as his son and as his daughter. You are not an orphan. No matter how alone you feel in this world, as cliche as it sounds, you're never alone. Jesus says in John 14, all of the ways the Spirit promises to be our advocate, the one who comes alongside. But as you continue in the New Testament, there's so many other ways the Spirit promises to do this. For instance, in Romans 8.26, it says the Spirit prays for us when we are too weak to pray. The other day, we got with the elders and we were praying for a situation. And I literally said in front of the elders, let's pray, but I don't know what to pray. I just don't know what to say. I know what I want to say, I just can't say it. And the Spirit says, I will take care of that for you. In the times where you can't pray or the times that you won't pray because of your sadness or your grief or your depression or your loneliness or you're feeling lonely or you're down or you're hurting or you don't know what's ahead and you're like, I want to pray, but I can't pray. And then you beat yourself up as if you're a bad Christian and the Spirit says, no, 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 no. I will pray for you. I will go to the Father on your behalf. I have you. I will be strong when you are weak. John 16.8 says the Holy Spirit, he convicts us of our sin, of all the things we probably love about the Spirit. This is the one they're like, eh, not so much. I mean, who wants to be told that you're doing something wrong? Who wants to be convicted of sin and of your mistakes? You need him to do that. If he's truly an advocate, the one who comes alongside of you, who wants the best for you, shouldn't we expect the Spirit to shine a light on the dark places of our life? To open up the closets of our life? To go into the hiding places of our life? Why would he do that? Because he wants the best for you and I. He wants to make us our very best versions of ourselves, which is to be made in the image of Christ. And if we continue to make the same mistakes that hurt our relationship with God, or we hurt our relationships with others or ourselves, then how is he a good God? who advocates the best for us. We need him to shine a light on those areas, not to shame us, not to feel guilt. If you ever feel that way, that's not from the spirit. That's either from the enemy or the enemy within, which is ourselves. No, the Holy Spirit shows us what we're doing wrong so we can correct the course of our lives to travel with the spirit to then feel a life and experience a life of freedom and peace, all of that which you and I want. And one of my favorite things the Spirit does, and I'm so grateful for this, is that he produces healthy fruit that nourishes others. Just like when you are going to pick an apple or a pear or an orange from a tree that's healthy, you are taking that tree that has bared its fruit and you're taking it because it's healthy and good for you. So too will the Spirit do that in you and I. The fruit just looks differently. The fruit looks like this, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you and I are living in the Spirit and by the Spirit, our lives are healthy, and it can bear the results or fruit that looks like this. But the fruit isn't for you and I. A tree doesn't eat its own apples. The tree bears apples so that we can pick it, so it nourishes our bodies. 
The same is true with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces these results so that you and I can nourish relationships, so that people in our lives can pick these things from our lives so they can be healthy and then we can be healthy. I mean, think about it. If you're married here, imagine your spouse always being able to pick gentleness and love from you. If you're a parent or a grandparent or you're a teacher or you're a coach and you're working with kids, either young or old, imagine if your kids can pick peace and self-control from your life. How would that change your relationship with your kids, your grandkids? If you're at work, either with your coworkers or your boss, and they know they can pick goodness and faithfulness from you because you are a Christ follower and you are living through the Spirit, imagine how that changes your workplace. The Spirit promises to produce this fruit in our lives and People should be able to come up to us pretty quickly and pick these things so they can be nourished from them. Spirit does a lot of things in our lives, more than we even have time to talk about today. But now this brings me to a question, a question that I'm hoping you're formulating in your head. So what happens if you call yourself a Christ follower and you don't experience these aspects of the Spirit? What happens if the Spirit is an advocate, but he's not your advocate right now? What happens when you're opening the Scriptures and you don't see it speaking truth to you? What happens when you're not feeling his peace? What happens to you when you're not experiencing his presence? What happens when you don't believe he will pray for you when you are weak? What happens if he's not showing you what you're doing wrong? What happens if your relationships are falling apart and everybody else is trying really hard, but no one can pick the fruit from your life? Why aren't we doing these things or having these results if we call ourselves Christ followers and we say the Spirit is with us, but he's not producing these things in our lives? It's a question that I wrestle with. Personally, when I look at my life and I don't see the evidence of the Spirit, I have to ask myself, am I doing something wrong? See, a relationship with God is dynamic. It's two-sided. God plays his role, and through the Spirit, he advocates, he does all of these things and more. But you and I have to play our part as well. That's why when Paul is finishing his letter in 1 Thessalonians, he gives some instructions at the end, and then he just gives one revealing statement, almost like a warning. He simply says this, do not stifle the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. I want you to imagine it's a summer night, not too hard to do today. You decide to have some friends and family over for a bonfire. Doesn't that sound really good right now? Round bonfire, hanging out, roasting marshmallows. The fire's still going okay, but you need to add some wood. And so you ask your buddy, hey, will you grab some wood? And your buddy, you find out, is kind of a moron, and he grabs a jug of water. <laughs> and he starts to pour water on the fire, and you're thinking to yourself, what are you doing right now? <laughs> We were all enjoying this fire. We were having a good time roasting marshmallow, and you just ruined it. Now there's no fire. What if I told you quenching the spirit is the same thing? 
to stifle the spirit is to take water when we should be putting wood on the fire and dumping the water on the fire that is the Holy Spirit, which does not allow the spirit to be active and present and doing what he wants to do in our lives. For to stifle or quench the spirit is essentially to say no to the spirit's leading. It's to live a lifestyle where you call yourself a Christ follower, but you're not allowing yourself to be led by his spirit, to not allowing him to advocate for you and be that for you. Instead, by your life and my life, we pour water all over the fire that should be the spirit. We pour water on our spiritual journey when we actively commit blatant sexual sin, or we hold bitterness towards someone, or we won't forgive them. We actively pour water on the Spirit when we grumble and complain. When we talk about people behind their backs or gossip. Or when ultimately we choose our way instead of God's way. If that is you or I in this room and you're frustrated that you're a Christ follower but God is not at work in your life and he's not advocating for you, I promise you it's not God. It's us. It's so easy for us to come to church and then go back and live life our way and then we don't see the results of the Spirit. So if that's you, let me ask you, what are you and I actively doing right now that's instead of putting wood on the fire, we're taking a jug of water and just pouring it all over the Spirit in our lives? What are those things that you and I have been excusing or justifying or we've gotten used to? They've become habitual in our lives that though it feels good and we think it's okay, we don't see the evidence of the Spirit as a result. What is that? If you're here today watching online and you experience a prick, a little dim spotlight, Somebody bringing to you some things that you're like, yeah, if I'm honest, this is how I'm living. That's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's a good thing. For everyone else in our world want to tell us what we're doing right, where the conviction of the Spirit at least says, I want you to know what you're doing wrong so you can be right. How do you and I get the fire roaring again? How do we put a cap on on the water jump and be able to continue to put fire on the wood. You and I do two things. One, we go back to who we are. You hear the Spirit telling you again that you can't be better, that you can't strive harder, that you are His. You are His son, His daughter. He defines you by who He is and what He has done for you and I. We go back to our identity in Him. And then we experience the transforming grace that is God's forgiveness on the cross. We don't just pray that when we want to become a Christian. We pray this so we can continue to be a Christian. We pray God's forgiveness and we bring this into the light so that we can continue to step by step imperfectly grow so the Spirit can produce all of these things in our lives that He wants to do. We ask God for His forgiveness. And he promises he will always give it. 
And he says the reminder of that is through communion. So I want you to take your cups. If you did not receive a communion cup, raise your hand. We have some greeters in the back that would love to come and pass you out one. Before you even open this top little flap here, I want you just to pause. God's spirit is here. He is speaking. He wants to speak to you this morning. Would you just take a few moments to say, Spirit, what do you want to say to me right now? Jesus said, before I send the Spirit, I have to complete my role. And my role was to be perfect where you were not. My role was to be obedient where you were not. My role was to bridge the gap between you and the Father so you could have a relationship with him. And we see that perfectly displayed on the cross. All the ways that we've poured water on the Spirit in our life, Jesus forgave it and has forgiven it and will forgive it. If you want to see the Spirit at work, you and I, we embrace grace. So open the top part of your communion. It's a little cracker that reminds us of the broken body that Jesus broke for you and I. Let's do this, Jesus said, to remember him. This is important because these are really hard to open. You have to take this metal little lid, push down first, and you'll see it should get come loose, and then you pull it up. If you don't know how to do it, look around for someone that does. Jesus said, not just my body, but my blood was spilled as a perfect sacrifice to atone for the sins of the world to bring us back into our relationship with the Father. Jesus says, every time you drink this, do this to remember me. Let's do that together. Father, we pray to you because of Jesus through the Spirit. We pray, Spirit, that you would convict us. Show us what we've been doing wrong. Not to guilt us or shame us, but to forgive us, to bring us into the light so we can walk our next step with you. Holy Spirit, show us the truth. So many lies in this world. Show us the truth of your word. Help the Spirit, God, produce fruit. Fruit in our lives that our family and our friends and people around us desperately need. Holy Spirit, lead and guide us as our advocate, the one who comes alongside of us in every situation of our lives, we pray in your name, amen. Stand with me, and would you recite our benediction passage in Matthew chapter 11. Say it out loud with me. Then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Blessings to you.